Hello, and welcome to How to Be Unpopular Podcast, episode 241. I'll reintroduce myself. My name is Joey McGarry. I've been rollerblading for close to 30 years. I know doing tricks at least for 25 years or more. Um, The first recorded evidence of me trying skates, I actually have a picture of it. And it's going to be the picture for the podcast. It was a skate rental out at Shushwap Lake, which is a vacationing area, campsite area, lake, kind of 45 minutes outside of town. And I'm pretty sure I was seven or eight. It was either very late 80s or early 90s when I tried skates for the first time. So, and even before that, I was playing hockey and on ice skates. So that's Hank snoring. Been on skates for a long time, a large portion of my life. And I, I still love skating, rollerblading specifically. Ice skating's fun, but it's just less accessible than skating. I'm still obsessed with rollerblading, still obsessed with making rollerblading videos, still love the feel of skating, still obsessed with I grom out over skate tech and different kinds of skates and it hasn't ended. It just keeps going. Um, remember, it would have been a podcast that I recorded in Pineview, my old place. It must have been late when I was in my late 20s or early 30s, and I recorded a podcast about how I'm not done yet. There was a strong feeling of, I thought maybe, not that I would be done with skating, but at least making videos and and feeling very strongly about still working on skating projects. I thought that that would maybe end or or transition or something as I got into my 30s. But here I am, I'm 37 and I still have that feeling that I'm not done with it. Um, you don't have to be, I, I'm, not, I'm not good at skating um, and I'm not particularly good, like I'm not, technical skater and I'm not like a super technical video maker I'm not I'm not I can't do switch and regular tricks or flips or you know I don't have a huge bag of tricks and the same goes with me I'm not going to make the most beautifully produced up on technology perfectly filmed know everything about lenses and light and no weird numbers and keyboard shortcuts for editing both skating and, and filming and editing or you don't have to be good at them you just have to really love to do them and if you do them long enough it might it may appear as though you know what you're doing um i still hold my pen and pencil improperly and in elementary school, when I was really young, they tried to get me like this thing so I would hold it properly. And still to this day, I hold my pen and pencil in my own weird way because it was comfortable that way. And I look at skating and, and filming and editing and all that stuff exactly the same. Sorry for gulping sounds. 
Um, I was a hockey player before I got into rollerblading. Imagine being really into hockey, but more the speed and the and the feel of the game. Skating is skates are the skating on ice. It's so fast when you're young, and it's such a unique feel that the other sports were not fun or interesting at all for me. Soccer and baseball and where you had to run and compared to hockey where you had you had skates on your feet and you could go fast and turn sharp and the hockey was fun because of the feel of it, the feel of the game, the feel of skating. The actual the rules and teams and all that stuff. I think Sports really good for uh, learning how to win, learning how to lose, learning how to work in a team. Um, later, when you play rep, uh, dressing up in a, in a uniform, being to practice on time, being to games. I, there's a lot of skills that I learned from hockey and, and sports that I still apply to this day that I think are important. But imagine being really into hockey, and then all of a sudden, one day you see somebody in a tennis court playing they're playing hockey but it's summertime and they're on the pavement with these neon things and they're doing the exact same motions as as ice skating like they're playing hockey but it's the summertime what i and that was the first time i saw skates i drive by that spot all the time it's uh at stuart wood elementary where i went to school in grade one and two um and yeah, I saw somebody hitting a ball or a puck or something against a against a wall with and and I think I asked my mom like what are, what are those are I think she told me that they're called rollerblades or inline skates. I wouldn't have remembered exactly what she said, but that was the first time seeing them, and I wanted to try them. And then I think maybe she found out that or word had spread around Kamloops that there was a skate rental place out at Shushwap Lake. Because the campsite area that's really popular now with Albertans and I think people all over the world start to know about this campsite at Scotch Creek, but people would, you could rent like pedal bikes and um, yeah, skates. People would skate around the campsite. So weird to think that recreational skating on nice surfaces was so much more standard back then. Mm. Yeah, so imagine being really into hockey, but then finding out that there's a technology where you can ice skate or have the feel of ice skating anywhere. And there's no, there's no team or organized game, but the motions of skating and the feel of skating is pretty close to hockey. I remember... Uh, there was a rink behind my house in Dufferin in the, in the forest or near my house. Some of my best memories were being there when nobody was there. Just the sounds of the skates and hitting a puck against the boards. And not there's no organized game or people. <laughs> that, that solitary act of, of skating just by myself and, and the sounds and the feel of it which 
later on I, I realized, oh, yeah, it became a very important part of how I enjoyed skating at a skate park, the, the solo sessions and things. I still like the social aspect and the working on projects or working as a team towards a goal is still really important in skating too. But um, interesting to know that some of my best experiences with hockey and ice skating were I loved the solitary thing. I, I got my dad a couple of times to drive me to morning practices. We had practices before school at 5 a.m. and you had to get up at 4 or 4.30 and I would get him to drive me there like a little bit early before everybody got there because nobody was using the ice, um, you know, that early in the morning. So there was a few times where I got to just hit a puck, like douche, douche, trick shots or whatever, just like openly play on the ice with a stick and a puck and skate around. Same thing as the rink behind the house. I love that feel. And then funny enough, a scene that has always stuck with me is in um, The Mighty Ducks. I posted it not too long ago where, where Gordon Bombay, he visits Hans and he gets, Hans gives him a pair of skates. Like he's, he's disconnected from, from hockey and the sport and he used to be a really good skater and Hans delivers this speech about like, you, you used to fly or you'll have to watch it. And then Hans gifts him a pair of skates. And uh, it's this scene of Gordon Bombay. Uh, I think it's like nighttime or almost nighttime. And he's lacing up his skates. He has no stick or anything. And he's just getting back into skating. Like he's, he's finding his skating soul again. And it's an important moment in the, in the movie of, of his regaining his his love of skating and love of the game of hockey. And it was funny because it was just him. This moment, bizarre enough, I, I don't wanna say that there's like a spiritual or religious aspect of skating because that can cause an eye roll, but that, it always felt like if there is some kind of uh, ritual or connection to sport when you do it in a solitary way, I mean, Nike tries to, you know, Nike and Adidas, they try and sell that to people, but it is a, a really, um, there's something there. I don't know. I won't go down that road, though. Um, it, the, the excitement of a technology where you could ice skate anywhere where there is pavement without even knowing that tricks existed yet, that wasn't even on the radar and when you think about it later on uh some of the best skaters arlo loved to ice skate he was also a skateboarder broscow amazing hockey player danny beer amazing hockey player Haffy in his podcast played travel hockey that a lot of great skaters i'm not saying i'm on the level of those people but a lot of people came from hockey um to, to rollerblading. And I think a lot of those people, I don't know if we had any knowledge. If you, if you didn't have an older brother, a lot of us, when we found out about aggressive inline skating, as it was called, or, or doing tricks on skates, we were just hockey kids that already loved skating and were playing roller hockey and loved skating around on rollerblades. I don't think any of us knew the things that 
had come before in skateboarding and BMX or skiing, we didn't really know the history behind, they weren't even called action sports. It was probably, it was called extreme sports or, I mean, unfortunately skateboarding and BMX got lumped in with that whole thing. But if you don't have an older brother who's into skiing or snowboarding or BMX or skateboarding, which I didn't, I'm, you're not going to know the history. You're not going to know that, that Arlo followed what world industries was doing or, or that he took a lot of skateboarding stuff and ported it over to rollerblading. A lot of us were just super enthusiastic kids that some came from hockey that were just completely excited and overwhelmed at the possibilities of that you could get the feel of ice skating anywhere, not be on a team sport. You could do tricks in them. I mean, that's even without adding in videos to the equation because that's for me seeing Mad Beef for the first time in the played against sports downtown Kamloops and then seeing Kryptonics wheels and Sonic grind plates. That was one thing that solidified it. Hoax 2 solidified it. VG3 solidified it. VG4 solidified it. Seeing the ASA Pro Tour in Vancouver um, when they smashed the car in fast shoes, there's a lot of footage of it. I was there, my parents took Todd and I to go watch. We got to see Ryan Jacklone do Misty Flips. Brian Smith sat right in front of us. That amazing fall that he had, we got to watch him. He had like oxygens and he was trying to practice unity stalls before he hit the fly box. And he was, I think he was trying to get used to maybe oxygen was offering him a contract. Anyways, we got to see Chris Edwards, Matt Mance. I mean, the names that we got to see skate in person mixed in with, oh, and one more. When Todd's dad came back from Vancouver and uh, had bought a daily bread at Outline, the Andy Cruz cover, I think he's doing a back grab to fakie issue 13 or 12, one of, one of those. That also solidified it because you start to, you start to see that there's other people doing this. Um, I didn't know that I didn't know that that would have counted as there's a culture around this thing or anything like that. It's just before the internet. And if you're a hockey kid who starts getting excited about the infinite possibilities of being on skates, and then you see that there's skate videos, and then you see that there's a magazine and you go see these pros skate live. Sorry for Hank snoring. If you can hear it, it's just this whirlwind of, of that solidifies your love for this activity and the possibilities of it. Um, I can't find this YouTube clip. I've been obsessively looking for it. I knew I posted it somewhere, but I don't know. It's hard to search what I would have posted, but it was a, from the late 1970s, I think 78 or something. And it's a hockey player in like a suburban area. It's film. And he's, He's skating with his hockey stick in a suburban area talking about these cross-training tools called, he, he says they call them street skates. And he's in rollerblades before they were called rollerblades. I don't know if uh, Chicago 
roller skating company. That's the original prototype, and it was, I think they called it inline skates. But when hockey players started to first adapt them for dryland training, they were called street skates. I'm gonna try and find this YouTube thing. Uh, it's so funny, like over the years, YouTube's been around for 13 years or 14 years. So a lot of the times things get taken down or lost or accounts get are gone. So I, I don't know what it was from. I don't know in my weird Googling how I would have discovered it, but I hope I can find it because again, skating had so much more of a, of a hockey connection from the beginning. The Olsen brothers, I think twins or brothers discovered these, uh, this dry land training tool for hockey. They love to play hockey. And then they rebranded that into rollerblades, which is what we know of. That's what we still call them, but they're still, what a, what a confusing mess inline rollerblade skates are from a name perspective, from a fad and trend perspective being uh, lumped in with the nineties. Um, that Paul Crick quote that I post often about it being a homeless hybrid, I think was, is a really good, uh, sum up of, of kind of like the feeling around rollerblades and, um, there was people that didn't want it to be associated with, uh, uh, recreational and there's people who wanted it to be more seen as like a street. Uh, there's people like, you know, like skateboarding and there's people who wanted it to be a hockey thing. There were speed skaters who had nothing to do with any of that, that homeless hybrid thing. Uh, um, you know where it is. It's on our, it's from the Paul Crick interview that we had on our site and it's the question was why is rollerblading so polarizing the answer is amazing also there's that um quora is the name of the website an answer to why did rollerblading lose popularity there's an answer from brom kim that i have posted a bunch of times about how i think from a corporation perspective they seeing it as a huge fitness trend was what they always wanted it to be and actually what the larger companies well they're not they're not huge giant corporations but power slide k2 and rollerblade still they try and push it as a fitness thing when in reality this brom kim answer was really good that it was it was hockey players and people who just love to skate in the streets and people who like to do tricks and there were speed skaters and then there was such a push to get everybody on skates as a fitness thing. Skating is so dangerous. Um, I, I've said it before when it, it's normal to us that we don't ride or that we ride without brakes on our skates. You have to think about that for like an average person um, who they have brakes in their car they have brakes on their bike. Uh, speed control is fairly easy if you're learning skiing and snowboarding. It was in the uh, Cody Sanders podcast where <laughs> the joke that we ride brakeless is kind of a funny, cause it's, a, it's like a hardcore thing in biking if you ride 
breakless, that it's more pure or something. I've told just regular people that I work with or people that I know that I have rode skates almost my whole life without a break. And they're like, wow. There's these weird things that we just don't realize how dangerous skating is that not only um, is skating hard, but you need a smooth, flat surface that is not dangerous if you're getting into it and you want to have exercise. There's cracks, there's rocks, there's different kinds of pavement, there's inclines, even just jumping off of a curb, these little things that we take for granted. When you get a pair of rec skates and you're just getting into skating, it's so unbelievably dangerous that uh it makes sense that quote that um sorry i got off track that quote that about street skating speed skating doing tricks hockey it should have more been those things and i think marketed as a recreational activity kind of missed the boat especially in the types of people that buy, bought and got into skating probably used them just a few times and that's why they're all over thrift stores and garages um it was dangerous a lot of people got hurt a lot of people the learning curve was too big lessons are really important skating surfaces are really important anyways side trail about street skating it would have been amazing if they were branded as street skates Rollerblading's fine. I love I love how polarizing the term is still to this day and, and how it was a knee-jerk term and still is. It's less a knee-jerk term now because there's a nostalgic thing for it. Um, it seems like the stigma's lifting quite a bit lately. So I enjoy that the word has so many things attached to it. But I think if they were called street skates, they would have fared a lot better. And it makes so much sense. When you say street skates, you imagine urethane in urethane like in shitty pavement you know that rollerblades were marketed as like you know this thing that you do on a really smooth surface in fitness gear it wasn't always marketed like that but it definitely is marketed as a thing you do on perfectly nice pavement um in a nice area which in the rea in reality canloops has rough pavement in a lot of places and it's hilly and it's dangerous to rollerblade on. Like if I was to rollerblade from my house to downtown, it would be extremely dangerous. You'd have to go down steep hills and hop off sidewalks, avoid cars, time uh, going through stoplights perfectly, watch out for potholes. Um, insane. I think over time when bike paths and and urban planning and and people using cars less i think there's a there's a big thing there where skate paths will will get better but even just braking alone and controlling speed on skates because i think brakes are almost more dangerous for somebody learning that using a like like a snowplow technique or a hockey stop or slow slalom turns is safer i digress though street skating how great would that have been? Like I said, though, I don't mind rollerblading. Um, when I saw Mad Beef for the first time, I had not seen a skateboarding video. 
I had seen skateboarding on TV, probably the tail end of the 80s boom. I had not set foot in a, in our, we had a skate shop B&B. Um, that was like where people's older brothers would go. I didn't, again, I didn't have an older brother to show me the way, not, not, not that skateboarding was the right choice or anything, just that if I had, if I wanted to ask somebody where to get a skateboard or, or what skateboarding is or how to do tricks, there was nobody in my circle or in my life that would have guided me in that, in that direction. It's why it made sense through hockey. You would have found out about rollerblades. Um, I think I asked for a skateboard when I was really young and my parents didn't want to get me one because it was too dangerous. I must've been five or six. So that would have been, yeah, the, the mid to late eighties skateboard boom. You listen to podcasts like the nine club and a lot of people got into skateboarding or, or BMX cause they had an older brother or an older brother's friend or, you know, like the younger brother that wants to get into the thing that their older brother does. I, it's like a archetypal story. And again, if I had an older brother or some kind of action sports, extreme sports mentor, I would not have made the mistake of buying and using sled dogs in public. Whew. I still have PTSD to this day that I use those things. I apologize to anybody that was with me while I was using them on the mountain. Um, I had, I had nobody to just sit me down and tell me, listen, skis exist and they go a lot faster. And you'll have a lot more fun if you just ski instead of use these gimmicky, short, slow things. I remember just stopping sometimes on, on there was flat parts where I wouldn't have enough speed to get across and I would have to waddle to the next down part. Horrible, but we all, you know, we have to make mistakes when we're younger. Snowblades, I, I feel a little bit less weird about because snowblades happened before the free ski. They're, they're, they were the free ski shape they were just really small and I had a lot of fun times on those. What I should have done though is transitioned into um, twin tips as they were happening. But snow blades and ski boards as they were called predate the free ski shapes. So don't feel weird about that one. Sled dogs I do feel weird about. Again though, you know, having some kind of mentor to help guide me towards skiing instead of sled dogs and, and snowblades would have been nice, but that's not how it was. Um, so when people first got into aggressive inline skating or doing tricks or seeing videos, I think a lot of us had no idea. Maybe some people had, had friends that skateboarded or, or knew of skateboarding videos, but I definitely didn't. Um, we didn't know we were, we were getting into a activity that was directly borrowing a lot of things from skateboarding culture. We just enjoyed the speed, simplicity, and freedom of skating and the possibilities of doing tricks. We didn't know there was any, we didn't know there was decades of history behind BMX and skateboarding. We were kids that were into this brand new activity and the possibilities of it. Um, oblivious 
a lot of us, me, I, I'm speaking from my own experience, oblivious to BMX and skateboard history, had no knowledge of it. Now I do. I think it's important to, people give me shit sometimes for sharing things from other sports. I try and follow all of the, I hate the term action sports, but I try and follow them as much as possible. I listen to all the podcasts and I try and just stay up on videos and sections and I follow all of them. Scootering, skiing, skateboarding, bit of snowboarding, a little bit of BMX. BMX is a little bit, it's almost as niche as uh, aggressive inline is now. Or doing tricks on skates, whatever you want to call it. Um, again, because if you don't have the guy, like especially, it's the same as, as music if you listen to podcasts. It's like the older brother or some guy, or apart from what your parents know for music, there's always somebody who will introduce you to new kinds of music or show you your first snowboard or, or skateboarding or skiing video or rollerblading video. That It was a guy that worked at Played Again Sports, an older dude, Chad Watson, who showed me Dave Kolash's 394-foot rail slide. Before that, I may have seen somebody that same year or a year before at the base of Whistler, there was a skate park and he did like a, he had rollerblades on and he did a, a, a handstand, which I guess is a ho-ho. And it hadn't fully clicked. It was just one guy in a, in a skate park with rollerblades. But I, I just saw him do the handstand. Like I saw that there was rails and ramps and everything, but I just didn't, there was a feeling like you can feel in Whistler, like there might be is there other people doing this thing? But still hadn't seen a, like a magazine or a video or anything like that. And in Kamloops, you know, lots of people were getting rollerblades, but it was more for roller hockey, skating around, I guess recreational, but skates were just for skating around back then and playing hockey. It wasn't like you need a path and, and, special rec fitness gear to do it. It was skates were for skating street skates would have been so much better. But again, I like rollerblading. Um, through high school, I, I borrowed, um, I got to see four one one issue 21. I don't know what, what year that would have been. Uh, I loved, loved it. And I, uh, went to, uh, Warren Romoser, Rest in peace. Super sad. He passed away in a in a car accident. Um, super awesome dude. He was like kind of an angry, weird personality. I would have maybe played hockey with him, but I went over to his house one day after school and I got to watch Welcome to Hell. Can you imagine not seeing many skateboarding videos ever at all? And you've seen... You know, VG3, I, I may have seen Welcome to Hell before 411 issue 21. I can't remember what, I'll have to look at the order. I feel like, uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to look at when those came out. But can you imagine seeing, if you haven't seen Welcome to Hell, you just have to imagine seeing Mad Beef and Hoax and VG3 and 4 and then seeing Welcome to Hell. I remember walking home. I, he, we may have watched a, f a couple other ones, but welcome to hell specifically. I remember walking home that night 
and the way that the neighborhood looked was so different. And that, and the funny part was, I don't know if he was trying to convert me to skateboarding. I think it was just trying to share the excitement of how awesome this video was because he knew I was into rollerblading. It must have been that. I don't know. I didn't get converted though. I still saw through rollerblading eyes as I walked home. But I remember every, like the terrain opened up after seeing that video. It, if you haven't seen that video and you try and imagine when it came out, man, I knew I was seeing something that was definitely more developed and, and refined than rollerblading, but I was still a rollerblader watching Welcome to Hell. Um, later, uh, like I said, I, I find it important to research the history of all of these activities and look into how, what made them the things they are today. Later you learn that freestylers and BMX and, and skateboarding end up influencing a lot of the street riding tricks and invented tricks. And um, you, see, uh, you see Mark Gonzalez in video days for the first time. And, and I can't even imagine if I would have seen that when it first came out. To know that that came out in 1991 is absolutely insane. And to know how timeless it still is today. It's probably one of my favorite um, like human movement to music sections in terms of how it's aged, the creativity on display, the freedom on display. The whole video is good, but that section specifically is insane. I think a lot of people possibly would have seen... Um, some of that in kids they show his falls in the movie kids that was video days um and then i remember skating a mini ramp at a skate shop on the north shore called greenhouse and they're playing mouse in the background and i remember it being really creative and um realizing how how <laughs> unrefined uh rollerblading lines were I mean, we're a lot better now with not taking unnecessary strides. There's a lot of possibilities in, in rollerblading lines, but I guess we're still a somewhat young sport. We're, it's, it feels more refined than ever right now in terms of how it looks when, when people who are really good at it do it. Whereas you watch some of those old rollerblading videos, you have to understand. We thought it may have looked amazing, and, it, and we, we were into the the sensation of, of doing tricks on skates and the possibility of it. But you have to sometimes pull yourself away from that and realize what it actually looks like sometimes. And man, some of those old videos, there's brilliant tricks and, and awesome stuff that's done, but wholly unrefined. Some of the lines in suitable material in fast shoes and it does look like a bunch of little kids who are trying to look super badass which again is why we all connected with it but you have to imagine being a guy who had bmxed or, or skateboarded for 20 years or 15 years and then seeing a <laughs> seeing somebody decked out in senate waddling up to something with a backwards hat and doing like a sketchy grind you just 
I, I see it more because I look at the history of these things and I understand what pieces were taken and applied to, to rollerblading. And um, I love, yeah, skiing history. A lot of um, the Greg Stump films before free skiing happened and twin tips um, are more connected to rollerblading before it was influenced by skateboarding because everything became influenced by skateboarding and it's not a bad thing. Um, I think it's in Barely Dead when Arlo's like, we're all following skateboarding's lead. And I mean, you just have to look at Mark, yeah, the Mark Gonzalez section or Welcome to Hell or that. It was incredible what was happening, which it, that, the, that culture and that industry deserved to blow up and make all of that money for what the people who had been doing it for so long, what it had been building towards. It, I mean, it's a lot different now. Things like skiing and, and scootering are incredibly exciting to watch and, and rollerblading. I mean, all the sports are interesting, but um, it's just cool to see other sports evolve in their own way now with their own tricks. Skiing especially, wow. That it, it got so much more outside the box to think that you weren't even allowed in the unwritten rule book to do a one-footed grind, I don't know, 10 years ago, it was completely unacceptable to do anything remotely looking like rollerblading. And then to see some of these recent street scooter sections are absolutely insane what these young people growing up with the sport are doing um, and how it has its own style and not in the way they dress because again, all of that stuff molds together. But in terms of the way they're using the equipment, I love, I love seeing equipment specific tricks in these sports, skiing and scootering specifically skiing, probably the most exciting to me still on, on what people are doing with the possibilities in the equipment. But there's a lot of good stuff out there. Um, I digress more though. We were definitely the scooter kids of the nineties. And I know people push back on that one, but we definitely were. You just have to accept it. You can even say it out loud to somebody that I was the scootering of the 90s, but I'm still doing it. Something like that. Um, rollerblading, where it really got me, how I said the speed, freedom, possibilities of ice skating anywhere then you see mad beef and you can see that you could, can do tricks on it then you see vg3 and 4 and see that there's even more tricks then you see a daily bread and you're seeing that there's people all over that there's i guess what i didn't know as a culture which i guess was our culture was a little bit photocopied but still you see a daily bread and seeing asa Um, um, the skate videos for me combining music and film video film and video and speed 
freedom and feel of hockey ice skating, but but with a, the creativity of music and video and film. I mean, that's what really solidified it for me. You're getting these mixtapes of images of tricks and, and movements to music that you've never heard before. It's before the internet. That skate videos were the delivery system for music and ideas and uh, what was happening. You got to see all these amazing locations, learn about new skaters and faces. And Hoax 2 was the one that almost made it a world. Uh, because I, I was always more T-Bone films than I think T-Bone films captures the spirit of I love all these old Greg Stump videos because they feel more rollerblading-y and, and that's T-Bone always felt more rollerblading-y. Um, whereas when I saw 411, I'm like, oh, this is where V... You think you watch a VG and you're like, whoa, it's a video magazine and they're putting it all in different sections and there's cool little graphics and then you see a 411 and you're like, wait a minute. VG didn't come up with this format. And then you see a road, uh, maybe, was it Road Fools for BMX? I'm not sure. There was a, was it Props? There was a video magazine for each sport. And I, 411, I'm pretty sure, was the first. Um, anyways, the, the idea of that, you have to think of, like, playing a sport, sitting on a bench, being with a team, and parents in the stands and referees and then and then there's this other world where you're hearing new music and you're seeing all these locations and new tricks of something that's evolving in front of your eyes and it has there's freedom to it and it has the best parts of hockey but it's free of all of the more annoying at least for me because i just wasn't sorry for the the washer that's going off right now. Um, I didn't know that I had more of a creative side that enjoyed doing uh, activities with like, intrinsic rewards. I wouldn't have known that. But later on, you realize why you're still obsessed with doing an activity or you're really into making... You have to think, like, why am I really into making rollerblading videos and, and rollerblading? And there's more on that in a bit. Um, I especially loved electronic music to skating. It didn't, it didn't always work very well. Hip hop as well, but electronic music, I, electronic music was really coming, coming into its own in the mid to late nineties. And I, I look at electronic music the same way I do as rollerblading in that, like, techno or electronic music especially had that knee-jerk reaction that techno was kind of like a like a like like raves and techno music was kind of a funny weird subculture although it did hit the mainstream with prodigy and fat boy slim and chemical brothers and stuff like that which those were my entry points into it I ended up using, <clears throat> for my first section ever, 
a Fat Boy Slim song, and for my second section ever, I used Chemical Brothers, and it was the, the, that it was a form of music that could take on many forms, just like skating could in terms of the tricks and the styles, and that it, later on, yeah, that there's a knee-jerk reaction to. I mean, Eminem had a song where he called Moby a 36-year-old bald-headed faggot and then said nobody listens to techno it's pretty crazy to think about a line like that directed towards a type of music and techno was always techno was kind of like the way of saying rollerblading like that was the word that encompasses all electronic music well later that definitely changed because a lot of modern hip-hop a lot of pop music on the radio is influenced by things in electronic music anyways i loved i loved the combination of music and skating it was unlike anything else for me and, and again seeing um those 411 and welcome to hell and hoax to seeing the way that people different people and different uh video makers blended music and these movements and tricks it was the thing that really got me that it's it was a good thing to be obsessed it had so many things going for it still does um i remember the turning point for hockey and skating for me was when i first got my tarmac CEs could have been for Christmas. I'm not sure what year, if it would have been 94 or 95, whenever the first Tarmax came out and it's what I wanted for Christmas so badly and I got them and I remember being, playing a hockey game, it was rep hockey, it was when hockey was more serious. You play rep in Canada, that's, you're on a triple A team and you're, you've been selected as one of the better players. I was apparently, people have said I'm a, cla a puck moving defenseman and apparently I had a really unique skating style and I was very good at skating. If you want to know my, the way I played the game. Um, but I have a clear memory of, I would have these tarmacs and all I would want to do is use the tarmacs and think about if there was stuff to skate around the arena and I remember watching the clock like when you have a a job that you don't really like when you're younger or that's boring and or not engaging and you're watching the clock and you're just waiting for it to change so you can leave the thing that you're doing to go do the thing that you actually want to do I have such a clear memory of of sometimes just looking at the clock being like okay when is this game gonna end but still trying really hard in the game but and performing well but just mentally being checked out not having an emotional attachment to the game of hockey anymore which turned out to be quite a turning point for um, helping define who I was as a person and what motivated me and what didn't motivate me especially near the end for hockey um, when I ended up quitting in the middle of the season I, I was so checked out of it that 
like even I tried to play one more season because it was when you could start thinking about it as a career and you could get drafted and everything. And as soon as that stuff started coming in, it became even less fun. And even just the, the dynamics of the team, the, the personalities and everything, it got, it got weirder with not my parents, but the parents of other people and the coaches and just the feel of the game changed, changes so much once the, yeah, once scouts and training camps and all that stuff comes into play. And I still got invited to training camps and I got a, I got a mini lecture from a, from a scout who found out that I had quit. Cause I think defensemen were in demand. I don't know if they're still in demand, but, um, I remember him saying, you just bulked up a little bit and something, something, but I don't know. I would have played for Medicine Hat or Prince George or Lethbridge and still got invites to Camels and Kelowna. Sorry if I've told that story before. It's just really funny looking back that it's good to know what you're not into and who you're not anymore. And it was probably terrifying for my parents that I was so uh, solid in my decision that I didn't want to play. I remember having to tell the team, like I told all the coaches in a separate room and then they, I had to come out with the coaches and tell the, tell the team that I was, that I was not going to play anymore. Some of the faces were super shocked and yeah, such a crazy memory having to tell your team that you don't want to play the game anymore wild but I thank my parents for uh, supporting my decision even if it must have felt like now that I have a kid you know you want the best for your kids and you want them to go in the right direction and you know the rollerblading and video thing must have seemed really weird but it definitely has led me in the right path, still going on the path right now, today. Um, the way I see skating is still very different than traditional action sports. I still love how different rollerblading can be um, in its style and uh, in its ongoing history, in the videos, in the way we, in the way we portray it, in what's possible, it's still kind of unfortunate that it got lumped in with the with the term action sports. That it's still like you would list it with BMX, skateboarding, rollerblading, scootering. That you would, you know, we do it at skate parks and we skate generally the same objects as other activities um but when it's at its best i think it transcends those things and i I still think there's a it's still quite young and it's still possible to there's something about the street skating side of it mixed with the trick skating side of it that i i see it so much closer to skiing still as the cousin than any other sport um like Think of Chris Edwards and what he did and how he showcased rollerblading. I still see 
Joe Atkinson has it a little bit, but not, I think Chris Edwards had it even more. Um, there's just something about the way Chris Edwards presented and had a vision of skating, which I think was so much more specific to rollerblading than say Arlo and, and what we all knew it as when we first got into it. And it was funny to think that you had, you couldn't, you couldn't like both of them, Well, you could, but it was cooler to like Arlo than Chris Edwards. Whereas, whereas you grow up and you realize that Chris Edwards was much more, um, rollerblading-y again, like with the VG, like T-bone or VG, uh, Chris Edwards, Arlo, where, and, and it was weird that there was, you know, the pushback against vert skating and park skating and it's too bad all that. I guess it's part of how a sport art lifestyle, whatever has to grow up, you know? Um, but I still see the possibilities of rollerblading that I'm not really, I'm not a super talented skater, but knowing that somebody like Chris Edwards could come along again, I don't know if it's possible, but like, especially with wizard frames and I'm not like a super talented skater, but at least certain ways that I saw skating could come through more when we were trying to do the wizard frame testing thing, you know, but somebody who's super talented, like Matthew Ledoux comes along and, and films that one wizard frame testing it. And you're like, holy shit. Imagine if there was like four or five guys not doing exactly what he's doing, but in terms of like talent wise making stuff or making videos, it's, that's still how I see skating and it's a very rollerblading specific. It's not that it has to be exactly rollerblading-y looking, but I just still think there's styles and ways of doing skating that is so distinct and exciting in a rollerblading way, if that makes any sense. Um, right around the time of quitting hockey, getting into rollerblading, uh, getting into rollerblading videos, being obsessed with this. 14, 15, 16. When I was 16, my mom passed away from breast cancer. Um, and that was right in the thick of working on my very first skate video. Take a quick drink. And I think I've thought about this a lot. What you see in videos, there's like a, there's like a sentimental side to the, to, there's a mix of things in the skate videos. There's, there's Canadian comedy and irreverence that comes from Monty Python and British television and Euphoria Emporium which is a whole other story, but a local TV show that was very influential on how I, I guess my sense of humor. Then there was the influence of Mad Beef and a little bit of VG, Mad Beef, Hoax 2. Hoax 2 was a huge influence. Um, but then having something like that happen where you, you lose a parent, you 
make a strong decision to quit a sport previous to that and and computer editing systems for the home were just starting to come out and you're able to try and recreate or not recreate but create these worlds of skate videos and pick music and have a vision or point of view obviously for the first while when you get into it you're just replicating what you see i mean god used a dave matthews band for first video was under canadian skies there was ones before that where it was vcr to vcr editing but those don't really count like the first computer edited video on a on a mac with avid cinema like the consumer program cheap program that um, has the count movie countdown thing at the start. I used the Dave Matthews band song because FOR did. You don't have a, you don't have a vision that's you that is. Rollerblading was too young. Think of how young it was there. But the um, having having a parent pass away, I think some people dealt with grief you know not some people deal with it not very well through you know they have drug or alcohol problems later on in life there's all different ways that it happens but like i just remember becoming even more obsessed and diving into the world of rollerblading and making videos and i think it was a really healthy thing um until i guess maybe right around making better than baseball. I think I was so obsessed with it. I've told this story on another podcast where my dad and sister almost had to have like an intervention about how obsessed I was with making rollerblading videos. So when you watch better than baseball, that is, that is pretty much 100% only. I mean, I had, (laughs) I had a job and I, there were, it wasn't all rollerblading, but in terms of the way I thought of life, I had no plans to go to school or I just wanted to make rollerblading videos and, and was obsessed. So that was, you know, 1998 to 2005 or something until I had a really crazy experience where like a bolt of lightning, the going to film school and the importance of building a life with girlfriend and the importance of family and all that stuff all of it kind of came around the same time and it wasn't directly, you know, you can have, you can have people tell you advice and intervention that like, you know, it's not going to be good if you just keep being obsessed with making rollerblading videos later on in life. That helps. Like it plants the seed, but then it has to be your own realization later on. But I think that's why better than baseball is such a specific vibe of a, of a video that, I was thinking of nothing else. I just wanted to make a really good rollerblading video, which I haven't watched in a while. I know it's a bit long, but that's at least two years of just obsessing about filming. And and like I said, people deal with grief in different ways um, that the more, yeah, the comedic sides comes from Monty Python and all the stuff that I said, but there's a sentimental side or a, I don't even know what you would, it's not, it's not like Steven Spielberg sentimental, which I think he's really good at. E.T. is a great movie. Um, but the, the, I don't even know how to describe it. 
the things that you can do in videos and movies when you match the right images to the right music to convey a feeling that you can't put into words, which is why, I don't know, something about making videos and being able to do that was like an outlet and, and something that was really important and is still important to me, which I've still been kind of writing that out, but in a more healthy way after Better Than Baseball, because I think it's really important to, at least after a certain amount of time, you can double down on a dream or something you're really into. But after a certain amount of time, not only having a life outside of, of skating and being obsessed with skating and making rollerblading videos and talking about rollerblading, interacting with people that have no idea about rollerblading, don't care, and it's refreshing, it's really good and it's really important. And that, the, 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 the switch between the two things has become very important as I get older. Um, shit, I lost my way in notes. Um, I think in some ways you can see in videos, previous videos, before maybe Mushroom Blading 1, I think what I was trying to do is recreate um, good memories, good family memories and, and of vacations and, and um, yeah, that there, there's something there that I still haven't fully connected, but I know that I was, I was using the videos to, I don't, it, it, obsessed with filming life, which turned, I don't even know how to explain that. You just have to watch the videos and, and see, but I know like the food and the, like the, the food and the traveling and all the stuff that wasn't skating in those videos is things that I thought were so important to convey with the skating because I, I you know, the whole family thing with skating, I, I had like a stretch where I was really angry about skating culture because it kind of sold a dream that didn't exist. And then you realize as you get older that you have to, probably similar to Gordon Bombay putting his skates back on or um, how I had lost my connection to hockey. You have to ask yourself why you do what you do. Um, so I think I had an unhealthy connection to the dream of skating right up until making better than baseball. And then it took knowing that you have to build a life outside of skating to have a healthier connection to skating. And my connection to skating now is healthier than it's ever been. And my life outside of skating is so far away from skating that the skating world is so exciting to go back to and still try and create things within. Whether they're important or not, the ritual of going skating, the um, I, the ritual, I don't There's something important still about going out skating, working on skating projects, 
that I have a new connection to compared to how I thought of before. And like I said, how I was angry at, I think it's just being young and dumb thinking that, no, I can make, I can just make, you know, if I make a really good rollerblading video, I can live off of it and that can be my life. And it's so good to not have that mentality anymore and to just make, whoops, sorry, to just make skate videos and go skating because I'm still really obsessed with it in the Grom way. Thanks, Hank. And not in the, I don't expect anything back from skating. I just love doing it still. And I love the rituals of the word that still comes up. I, and it's not, I'm not starting a cult or anything or a religion, but I do have that, or it gives me that thing that is hard to, the thing that I was talking about that it's hard to put into words that I try and capture in video when the sound and things are right is the thing that I really like that I can only get from skating, which I think is why I was unhealthily obsessed with it when, you know, you, you quit a sport that could be your life, which was hockey, and you're, you dive into this culture that was tumultuous outside of, I, I mean, like I said, it being angry. You learn so much about skating and the history of it later on that you get you're almost angry at it. Um, but anyways, I still have, I'm still not done. I hope to be done maybe by 50 is what I have in my head. But see, I said that about 30 and then I wasn't done. Because I want to make a movie eventually, but then by the time I'm 50, are movies going to even be important anymore? Like I said, people will download entire TV shows for free that they that hundreds of thousands of people worked on for hundreds of thousands of hours for millions of dollars. They'll download them for free and watch them in one weekend. So sometimes I, <laughs> I think about maybe just keep making skating videos for fun and like if a small group of people are interested in watching them that's almost better than putting a lot of money and time into a format that people just watch while while they have their laptop or phone open you know i don't know we'll see if i go until i want to go until 50. that's the plan damn okay what do i have left here for notes Um, there was a clear point, um, right around where I wanted to make a big wheels three and it just seemed forced to try and do. And then there was the idea of making big wheels five and that it kind of flopped in terms of, I still really like it, but it just kind of didn't connect the idea I think went over people's heads I still really like it but uh, between wanting to make a Big Wheels 3 Big Wheels 5 not really working out and then I really wanted to make a sequel to Zone and that trip just did not go everything like around skating and working on projects was just kind of 
dissipating or there was an energy that was gone around it. And it's not that the skating wasn't good or the projects weren't interesting. There was just a, some, like another chapter had ended and a new one had began. And that's kind of when, craziest part is the, the trip where I wanted to make a zone two I get obsessed and I want to, you know, I, I want to make videos and work on projects, but you know, life gets busier and people are busier and people are working on their own projects. And I remember being so down at the way the zone sequel trip was going and that I, in retrospect, I should have not filmed anything and just been on a trip with my friends, not working on a project. And when, I felt so weird on that trip. I'm happy I still tried to make something, which is the, the, it's just a period. In brackets, it says inline skating film on, on YouTube. Um, the period is like, and the thumbnail, how it's just uh, like a panorama picture of everybody just kind of in their own direction, in their own place. And it's kind of like a distance from the camera and a distance from the skate park. And the period is kind of like, that's the end of something. And then the thumbnail just felt like a certain amount of distance from whatever everything had been before. Um, not in a bad way, because I'm so happy with the direction that skating is going and everybody that was in that project of where what they're doing. But I don't wanna have to, I don't, I don't want to be the one trying to force making a project. I should have just gone on a skating trip with those guys and just enjoyed skating objects and hanging out. And it, I was so project based in my thinking that I think I set myself up for disappointment, which it was just a good lesson in slowing down my thinking about making skating projects, which in turn inspired how I want to make skate projects for the next long while. Just film, don't, for, don't force making anything, sit on stuff for a while and then make a project. And that's that. Um, and the craziest part is I felt so kind of down on trying to make a project on that trip. When I came back is when I found out my wife was pregnant, which was probably the best news that totally fit in with everything I was thinking in that, during that trip. And it was so weird. I, I hadn't felt like a dad until like, uh, that, ye that year. And especially on that trip, um, I was thinking like, my God, I'm already, I'm like in, I think and look like a dad, not in any negative way or anything. It was like, I had already mentally become a dad somehow. I don't even know how that happened. I didn't feel it that bad a year or two prior, but it was almost undeniable. So to come back and find out that I was having a kid was like, wow, you know, I'm not even surprised that I'm hearing this right now. And this is some of the best news I could be hearing. So crazy how there's just the, the clear phases of life. And that was a brand new one that was starting just at the perfect time. So, yeah, end of one era, beginning of a new one, then end of another era, 
beginning of the new one. And now, I guess the dad blading, working on longer projects that aren't that important, but they are important at the same time. There's no reason to make a mushroom blading seven, but there is because the intrinsic rewards, that feeling of, you know, the ritual of working on something, it still feels important. Isn't that weird? All because of rollerblading. Or inline skating. Or street skates. Or whatever we're going to rebrand it as. In 2030 or 2040. Thank you for listening.